Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD Attention Coach Jeff Copper. We've got a great show for you tonight, a physician's ADHD medication journey. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me just the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. Are you a young adult newly diagnosed with ADHD or who is transitioning to independent adulthood? We know all too well the highs and lows that come with independently managing your ADHD. Chad's Adult to Adult Education and Training Program offers self-paced and on-demand training courses to support you in living and thriving with adult ADHD. To learn more, visit us at chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, so let's get into our show. Jen, will you announce our guest? Jeff, today we have Dr. Carolyn Lynch Purcells. She is a board-certified pediatrician and owner and president of Girls to Women, Young Men's Health and Wellness in Fort Worth, Texas. This clinic is dedicated to meeting the physical and emotional needs of adolescents and young adults. Dr. Parcells also holds academic appointments as Assistant Professor of Pediatrics at the TCU and UNTHSC School of Medicine, as well as Adjunct Assistant Professor at A&M Health Science Center. As a physician with ADHD herself, she has a special interest in caring for patients with ADHD and learning issues. She regularly speaks to parents, students, and professional audiences on subjects such as parenting, ADHD, resilience, depression, anxiety and stress, sexuality, and adolescent development. You can find more information about Dr. Parcells and the clinic at gtw Health. That's H E A L T H dot com. Thank you, Jan. Dr. Parcells, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Love having you on. So, everybody out there, just a um, real quick. Uh, the, the genesis of this show is I um, I've interviewed Dr. Parcells before on uh, ADHD stimulant medications, and she does a spectacular job. I mean. One of the best jobs I've ever seen, kind of like Thank breaking you. it down individually so people can really understand it in, in terms that we can, we can understand. 
But she gave a TAD talk uh, that since this will be up here for a while for in back in 2021 during ADHD Awareness Month about her particular journey. And it was really striking to me because her lived experience, I think, is one that is really kind of telling a lot of people can identify with and um, kind of relate to. And we wanted to have her on to talk about her journey with her diagnosis and her journey with medication. So, uh, Dr. Pelosos, can you just take us back to the days, the early days of your diagnosis, and, and we'll just kind of work our way from there? Sure, absolutely. So I, I tell folks a lot, I, I consider myself pretty lucky, actually, because I was diagnosed, relatively speaking, young for my generation, especially for women and girls. I was diagnosed at age 17 uh, with ADHD combined type as well as a learning disability and reading and written expression. And honestly, the only reason I was diagnosed that early was because a family member of mine uh, who was male and younger and um, uh, had pretty severe ADHD was diagnosed. And my parents were like, huh, okay, that sounds familiar. <laughs> and, um, and, and recognized it in me and, and had me evaluated. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Before that, uh, leading up to it, it was interesting because I actually, for most of my growing up, attended um, a all-girls school, a pretty rigorous all-girls school. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you know, unlike a lot of girls, even hyperactive girls, I actually did stick out because, you know, when you're surrounded by a bunch of hyperactive boys, even if you're a hyperactive girl, yeah, you know, you, you still yep. can flip through the cracks. But I, I did not. <laughs> um, I knew... I knew from a very young age that I was, shall we say, different, <laughs> and I, I, uh, was, I knew I was very active. I knew I had trouble sitting still. I knew I was very talkative. I knew I could come across to some people as annoying. I knew I struggled to get my work done. My personal favorite was the whole having to stay in from recess to finish my work, which was, of course, super effective for a hyperactive <laughs> child. Um, and, you know, reading was, reading was a disaster because not only did I have the learning disability, but I didn't want to sit still long enough to do it. By the time I'd get to the end of a page, I wouldn't have any idea what I just read. And it was just super frustrating. And, of course, because it also took me so long to do, I never had time to leisure read. I'm like, what is that? People read for yeah. pleasure? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it, right? Um, and, in fact, you know, I, my parents were very supportive and, and they did recognize those things, even though they didn't know, you know, we didn't know what to call it or that there was even a name for it. But, you know, as an example, my, my dad, once I still remember I had uh, a wrinkle in time was one of my summer reading books one year. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. And so my dad sat down with me and he read it aloud to me, but had me read while he read aloud following his finger. Yep. So, you know, they found ways to help me. They found ways to help me compensate. They always advocated for me. Um, I was actually supposed to fail the third grade, apparently, which I did not know until I was well into adulthood. And <laughs> largely because of those, largely because of those stupid speedy math tests, right? But mm -hmm. my parents, again, advocated for me, got a tutor for me, um, you know, did a lot of things to really support me and lift me up. And so, that's the good news. However, when I got the diagnosis, I was, you know, I was 17 years old, so, you know, I knew everything. Yep. And I was getting A's and D's at this very rigorous school. And 
despite the fact that it was at quite the cost, you know, staying up till one or two o'clock in the morning to get my work done, anxiety, um, very high levels of stress, I was like, well, okay, I get it. Like, this makes sense when you describe it to me, but I don't know that it's that big of a problem. How can it be that big of a problem if I'm getting A's and D's at this school, and mm-hmm. do I really need medicine? And I, I didn't I didn't want to use the diagnosis as an excuse. I didn't mm-hmm. want to use medication as a crutch. Um, I had also actually, and I think a lot of people will probably identify with this, I, I had a family member who had a, a negative experience with medication, so that definitely affected my uh-huh. perspective as well. Now, meanwhile, my wonderful parents, again, were actually encouraging me to include medication as part of my treatment. My mother, one of her, one of her favorite phrases is, you know, if you were a diabetic, would you not take your insulin? I don't think so. <laughs> this is uh-huh. the same thing, right? Yep. And, which, I, which I really appreciate. And, of course, now I actually use, and I use it with my patients. But, you know, at the time, I just I wasn't ready to accept exactly what it was and and how much it affected my life and I wasn't ready to take what in my mind was the risk on medication I was thankfully willing to accept accommodations okay and that was a total game changer that was an absolute game changer I had no idea I never thought of myself as stupid but I also didn't really understand what I was capable of and when I got extended time on tests, <laughs> my SAT score, let's just say, went up a hot bit, okay? <laughs> um, and, and that was really, honestly, that was the moment when I got my, I took the SATs without extended time, and then I took them with extended time. And when I got my second score, that's when I went, oh, oh, okay, I, I guess that is an issue. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. Um, started to help me understand how much this really affected me and affected my ability to show other people what I could do. So I had accommodations through college. I had accommodations through medical school, um, but I still didn't take medicine. I tried one non-stimulant in medical school that did not do nothing for me. Um, So at that point, I was like, okay, you know, whatever. I'm just going to, I'm going to roll without. And it actually wasn't until both my children were born. I was a well-established, board-certified pediatrician taking care of kids with ADHD that I finally said, hey, you know what? Maybe I should try this. Honestly, kind of boggles my mind since ADHD is like my clinical specialty. <laughs> yeah, so I want to kind of pause here for a second. I'm going to ask you a, a difficult question, but there, I, got a, I got something I want to share after that. Why do you think you weren't ready to accept it? Um, well, when I was younger in my school years, I think a lot of it did have to do with the negative experience I saw in a family member. Um, okay. And it had to do, I think, largely with this, feeling that a lot of us with ADHD have of I should be able to. Mm-hmm. I've started to call it the, I sh- the, the should be able, right? The should be mm-hmm. able to. Yep. I'm, you know, I'm a smart person. I'm in college. I should be able to find my shoes. I yeah. should be able to find my keys. I should be able to 
pull myself yeah. up by my bootstraps and force myself to focus and get it done. How am I going to get through medical school and residency if I can't do those things on my own? I think the other thing too, honestly, is I even back then I didn't I didn't understand how much of my life ADHD affected. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think that's something I'm still learning as not only as just a, a human being trying to figure themselves out, but as a physician learning more and more about ADHD. And as we as a medical community learn more about ADHD and the different things it affects, emotional dysregulation, goodness gracious. Yeah. If I had known that that was what was going on there, I probably would have <laughs> taken medicine a lot sooner. If I had understood yeah. that my anxiety and depression were in part at least stemming from my ADHD, yeah. so, I would so have taken a few, medicine sooner. Yeah, there's a few things so, I want to share here, and I, I, I want to be careful here because I don't like to misrepresent my opinions or my experience as fact, but I am going to say this is my experience. I do remember years ago, you know, I've got like 650 radio shows, so I can't remember them all, but I do remember one. There was a study, I believe, <laughs> out of Northcare at Chapel Hill at one time. They were, they, what I remember of it is, is they took a look at all the kids. This is an ADD. This is everybody who had an IEP and a 504 plan in high school that went on to college. And if I remember right, like 22% of them actually took advantage of disability services. And the conclusion or one of the hypotheses of analysis is the reason that doesn't happen is this crowd doesn't want to need help. And when I'm hearing you right. say, I wasn't ready to accept it, you know, I, I just didn't want to go there. It, it, this isn't science, it's just, I, it's, but it's plausible. It really makes a lot of sense. So you have that piece of it. The other piece of it is years ago, I was, I was, I've been studying Dr. Barkley's model for forever, and people with ADHD struggle with self-awareness. And one of the things I began to realize is to be self-aware is threatening because you've got to confront yourself. You've got to call yourself out. Like you might not be what you want to be. And so sometimes it's that threatening. When you feel threatened, you go to fight, flight, or freeze, and you get immediately defensive. Like people with ADHD, somebody can come to you, you know, in peace really to help you. But if it feels critical, right, feels that you immediately oh kind of fight back. And so I think oh sometimes I, yes. I, I, Dr. Barkley and I have had some conversation is, you know, it's, there's a lot of people who know a lot about ADHD, but they don't own it. And, and my little thing is I talk to people, it's that emotional response that, of threatening. And so pull this out because your experience that you're – I wasn't ready to accept it. It's a, it's a normal part of this whole process. And if you're listening to this as a parent and you've got a teenager, you're like, how come they don't get this? I mean, I, it's, it's just this, it's that stage of life. Um, they, they mature and they get older because Carolyn's – telling her story, but there's also this emotional side because you're accepting your diagnosis, but you're resistant to all that. And again, it doesn't solve it, but I just want everybody, that space, is, it, that's not, this isn't unnormal. A lot of people go through that. So, um, Correct. And I think sense? kind of to that point, yeah, no, and kind of to that point, and it, and it does come back to the medication and our acceptance of just treatment in general is, again, what I've kind of started to really realize with my own experience, but also with my patients is that I, I've never been ashamed to have ADHD. I have always let that flag fly high, loud, and proud, okay? I love the fact that I'm not, quote, neurotypical. I like that I'm different. However, I still experience shame with what, with the symptoms or how I experience ADHD. I still experience it, it, it's the shame of 
you know, again, I should be able to get there on time. I should be able to get my kids to school on time, right? I should be able to do these small mundane things because I think I should, but also because society thinks I should. And there's still, I still yep. hear this language all the time from parents, teachers, ourselves, um, other physicians, other medical providers of, well, if they would just try harder. Yeah. So the term I, lazy, I wanna... lazy, which I want stricken from the language. I mean, yeah, you I know, wanna... so I think a lot of that plays into our yes. ability to accept treatment options of all kinds. Pause here and go to break because I want to come back. I want to I want to emphasize what you, you said a lot of really, really good things in there that I kind of like to, to, to highlight. So we're going to go to break real quick. Our secret word tonight is journey. And to learn more about Dr. Parcells, go to her website at gtw health.com again gtw-health.com and with that we'll be right back after these messages your life your world your choice this is attention talk radio are you always late the time timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with adhd manage life better as time passes time timers bright red disc disappears Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to ADDCA.com slash ATR. That's ADDCA.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by GigCoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation with uh, Dr. Parcells about her own personal journey with ADHD. We're going to get into medications more in a minute. Uh, before the break, we were, she was, we were talking about that notion of shame and stuff. And I really want to emphasize this because as I have been studying more and more uh, Dr. Barker's model, I've become to really realize that thinking inside your head is more difficult with people with, with ADHD, and they have an urge to escape it. There's a couple just like forgive fear, forget everything and run, or an overreaction is an old reaction, or my favorite is thinking's difficult, that's why people judge. I'm sharing all that stuff because emotionally, <laughs> when you say that kid's not motivated, that is an emotional response. It's an inaccurate observation. Everything you've done right. in your life, you did it because you were, you were motivated to do it, and everything you haven't done, you didn't do it because you were motivated to do something else. It is clear as clear can be, but people have an emotional reaction to it. And so we talk about ADHD and emotional dysregulation and the escape. And if you pause and think about, I have this condition, da, 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 you wouldn't necessarily do that. But that's inherent in this diagnosis is that emotional regulation and to jump conclusions and not actually think through and normalize that. And so, again, I want to take that opportunity of how you tee that up really well. It's really, really hard to stop and pause and think about, hey, there's a legitimate reason what I'm doing. It's easier sometimes just to beat yourself up, which right. isn't healthy. So anyway, again, it's, this is just normal ADD. What happens, what I'm just trying to do is help you understand from an executive function perspective why it actually works. So um, you, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I was going to say I think the, the challenge here is, is this combination between how ADHD affects our brains and affects how we think about these things and the fact that we will perseverate, right? We'll lock on to something. 
will hyper-focus on not just necessarily a project, but on an idea or a thought or a feeling such as the shame or questioning or should I do this or should I not do this. And when you combine that with the fact that we still have societal pressures and societal messages from friends, family, media, even sometimes folks in the medical community that send messages such as, you know, these medications are, you know, addictive or dangerous or mm -hmm. an excuse or a crutch or, you know, all of these messages that we're just flooded with that mm -hmm. then we as people with ADHD, you know, I, I, I tell people we're, we're flip switch people, not dimmer switch people. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, and that goes for our attention, our focus, our emotional regulation, all those kinds of things. But we hear these messages. And then we flip the switch and hyper-focus and hyper-analyze yep. and over-analyze. And then, you know, a lot of us also have anxiety. So you yep. throw that into the mix. And the next thing you know, we're going down the spiral. And I do yep. think that comes into play, again, with, with, all, with all treatment options for ADHD, because, of course, medication is not yep. the, the one and only, right? But I think especially with medication, because medication has – there's so much still – mythology out there and misconception yep. and negativity Absolutely. and fear and whether you're trying to make the decision for yourself or whether you're trying to make the decision for your child honestly i think it's even harder as a parent yep. as a mama it's even harder when you're trying to make that decision for yep. your child because you're you're trying to make the best decision for your child out of love and it's your job to protect them and keep them safe and you're getting all these mixed messages yeah. about what's best and safest for your child. Oh, by the way, it's genetic. So there's a good chance you and yeah. or your partner yep. have ADHD, which may or may not be diagnosed or treated. Yep. Ah! Got it. <laughs> so, so I want to go, before we move on, just let's, everybody let's pause here. Um, Dr. Parcells, clearly she's bright. She's gotten through med school. She's gotten the degree. She's getting out. Now she's got, patients she's got husbands she's got kids this is where we are the pressure is mounting at this point in time tell us about what's it. going on now with with regard to the story sure so i mean i feel like and this is part of why i revisited well i revisited the idea of medication as an adult for several reasons one was that then at that point this was about six years ago I was getting far enough into my career and into my education and knowledge about ADHD to really understand the disorder better, to understand the role of the medications better, but also I was seeing it truly change the lives of my patients, of a lot of my patients, not everyone, of course, but, but a lot of my patients. And so I was more open to it in that regard. I also honestly kind of felt like I got to practice what I preach and I need to have more personal experience with this. If I'm going to say that, hey, part of why I can help is because I have this unique perspective of walking that walk, then I mm -hmm. kind of need to have that experience too. But the mm -hmm. other piece of it was, honestly, I feel like in a lot of ways my ADHD causes me more problems and more difficulty and more challenges now than it ever has in my life. Now, some of that is probably because human memory is not the greatest. And my brain is choosing not to remember some of the, <laughs> the more unpleasant things from when I was younger. Um, but it's because before when I was younger, I only had to focus on myself. 
I only had to hold my own stuff together. And if I failed or felt like I failed or didn't accomplish something that I thought I needed to accomplish, the only person it affected was me. Mm-hmm. And even though that still wasn't great, I could handle that. Now, as a mother, as a wife, as a business owner, as a physician, if I'm late in the morning, my kids are late to school. Mm-hmm. That affects them. And then the not only am I late for my, right? So then it affects my kids, which starts their day off wrong. I, you know, inevitably I'll get a phone call from one or more schools. So then that makes me feel worse. I'm late. If I'm late to work, my patients are waiting, right? My whole day gets backed up. I value their time. I don't want them to feel like I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, you know, tell my kids, you know, put your shoes in the same place every time so you can find them, but then I don't do that myself, right? That's, you know, super fun. So, there's, it's, it's, there's a lot more to organize, which is challenging. There's a lot more to stay on top of, which is challenging for those of us with executive dysfunction. Yep. But then in addition to that, it's the fact that it affects other people. Absolutely. So we have a big ripple effect. You're late. Your kids are late. The schools screw up. The patients are messed up. Their lives all change. Your work's all changed. So you, you, you finally take the dive and give it a shot. Tell us about that experience. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I, think, <laughs> I think God looked down and went, hee, hee, <laughs> let's, let's give you some more life experience to share with your patients. Um, I still working on it. I'm still trying to find the right regimen and combination of things for me. I, and it's been six years. It turns out that I am what we call slow metabolizer. So the medicines, my body processes the medicines slower so, than typical. So Dr. Press, can uh-huh. I interrupt you for a second? Because I want to kind of get, we, we need to go to break for a second. I want to come back to that. But at first, if I remember correctly, you took the stimulants, and you're like, oh, my God, I cleaned the kitchen all by myself. You were like, initially, now we're, we're going to come back to the aftermath of this, but initially it was like, wow, this is, whoa, this is a different life. Did I misinterpret yeah. that? No. Interesting. No, so let, let's do that. Let's do this because I, I don't want to have to interrupt you in the middle of it. Let's go to break. We'll come back, and we'll, we'll go through this story. And everybody, we're not pro-med. We're anti-suffering, but at the same time, this, this story might not end up where like you think that. it is, which is, which is the cool thing. Yeah, but, but it's, it's, this, is a, this is a unique, and that's why it's so important to have her on here because she's in this experience, and it doesn't always work out the way you think it does. So uh, our, our secret word tonight is Journey, and uh, Dr. Parcell's website, she's lots of great stuff. Go check it out at gtw-health.com, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? <laughs> 
Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Parcell selling her journey, uh, her ADD journey. Uh, it's been interesting so far. Uh, got the diagnosis, got accommodations, thrived. Um, it's funny. I, when I grew up, I had support from my parents. I still can remember the slurp of my mom drinking coffee at 4 o'clock in the morning. She was reading what I had to because my dyslexia couldn't get through it. <laughs> yes. It's like a PTSD moment when I'm around her. Not a bad one, a good one, but it's anyway. But she, she had right. her support. She got through it. And I really want to emphasize people with ADHD are smart as anybody else. Uh, thinking's a little bit more Absolutely. difficult than it had. It took time. So she gets here, and now she's in a situation where there's a lot riding on her. The pressure is higher. She takes medication, and wow, this is amazing. We yeah. think that's nirvana, particularly for this. And then your slow yeah, metabolism. Yeah. So the first, well, so the first, the, the first stimulant I tried, like you said, like the first kind of week or two, I was like. Holy crap. This is this is how I was like, Are you serious? This is how other people live? Like and some of it was pretty significant, like getting through my patients quicker, getting through my charts quicker and more efficiently. But some of it was stuff that was as simple as like I still remember walking up my stairs, picking up something my kids left on the stairs, putting it away and going, What? I picked it up. Who was that? Put it away. That without getting to wait, hold up. Huh? Um, so that was pretty cool, but I definitely, I, I'm very sensitive to the side effects. And so I was, I was having side effects and after about two weeks, which is what we tell folks, you know, it's two weeks of daily use Mm -hmm. is how long it takes to see if any side effects that are present are going to subside except for appetite. Appetite can take longer. And what happened for me was at two weeks, the side effects got better, but it turns out I built tolerance, meaning that the medication was less effective. So Mm -hmm. we went up. To up to the next dose, and I had side effects again, and but it was more effective. And we kept doing this until we got to the point where it was like I just I couldn't tolerate I couldn't tolerate the side effects. So mm-hmm. we stopped that one. And and <clears throat> to make a very very long six year story shorter, um, I've tried just about every short acting and long acting stimulant medication there is. I think there's only one or two I haven't actually tried, and the challenge I have is that I am what's called a slow metabolizer, which means that the medications, um, I process them slower. So they last longer for me, which can be a problem if you're trying to use a short, a long acting medication, but still want to sleep at night. Um, mm-hmm. so that was a challenge. I build tall, I tend to build tolerance, which not everybody does, um, mm-hmm. or not everybody does quickly, but it turned out I did for a lot of them. And then I'm, and I'm sensitive to the side effects and, so that's been a real challenge, and, and definitely at various points, it's not like I've been on medicine those whole six years trying to find stuff. There were definitely mm-hmm. times where I was like, you know what, I just, I'm done. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I'm done for a hot minute. I can't do this. Or my personal favorite that I think a lot of people will be able to identify with, I just forgot to take it. And yep. I keep forgetting to take it. And I'd remember it like noon, and I'm on a long yep. acting, and I'm like, nope, can't do that. So. Yep of course, uh, a challenge. And again, there were just times where I was just like, I, I just can't right now. I can't keep doing this and I got to take a break. 
And because I've lived so much of my life without medicine, it, yep. you know, it, it just was one of those things where I was like, I'm just going to do what I've, what I've always done, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, right? Like all of us. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, um, you know, we were supposed to, we, we were trying to set this interview up, and I'm kind of glad it ended up being when it is because I'm actually on a new regimen that, fingers crossed, I don't, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, let me just put it that way, um, which is a combination of a non-stimulant and a stimulant. And, yeah, I'm fingers crossed. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to jinx it. But, so, but yeah. So this is, a, this is another message that I really want to kind of pull out. I can't, Dr. Purcells, I can't tell I, People come in and say, you know, I, I took a stimulant I didn't like or, I didn't, I, or, or didn't work. And what I want to illustrate with is I, any really good physician that, that knows what they're doing with ADHD starts people at a, at a, at a at a level on a drug and kind of works their yeah. way up. And so what my message yeah. to people when they come to me is if you're going to go on meds, you've got to expect to change meds a dozen times before you get it. Because and, as I, and try as multiple I, doses. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this, is a, this is a simple story, but back in 1980, I went, I, I went in to do an um, EKG and a stress test because I had asthma a long time ago. And we were going through a diagnosis process, so I lived like an hour outside of D.C. I drive back, and there's a nurse, school nurses waiting on the steps, because they did an EKG on me, and she had to take me to the hospital. I didn't know why. This happened a couple of oh times. Goodness. And since finally in 1998, I went into my doctor, and he said, I've got to do an EKG. I'm like, no, you're going to want to take me to the hospital. I don't need to go to the hospital. Anyway, long and the short of it, he does the EKG. He walks into the room with his keys. Like, we got to go. I'm like, I already told you. So I'm trying to get a fact. It's, it's, that's a whole other story. He said, he lets me drive to the, to the hospital. And I drive to the hospital. I walk in, and it, there, there's people in the halls, but there's a room waiting for me. And I go in. The cardiologist is sitting there. He's going through some stuff. He says, you're fine. Get out of here. I said, listen, why is it this is happening to me? He says, your normal EKG looks like you're having a heart attack right now, like in the moment. Your what? abnormal that, – that your normal is everybody else's abnormal. And I'm like, so I got a picture of my phone that that happens. My point really is everybody's kind of completely different. That's certainly not an extreme. Yes. But medications, yes. they got to go through your body. Your digestive tract can mess with it. Your metabolism can mess with it. Your, your liver function can mess with it. This is all past me. Hormones. But the idea is, yeah, the idea is, is this is not like, it's not like take two aspirin, call me in the morning. It's not a one-size-fit-all, yeah. Exactly. It's very and, much an art. It's and, and very much an art. It, it's, yeah. And, and, and so we have Dr. Purcells, who's she's in the business doing and, and news, and she knows the educa- and she's trying to figure out her home. This this is why I really wanted her to bring on the show. Is first she didn't want to like, she wanted to act like it's not there. She's successful. She comes. She oh my god, this is really kind of amazing. And she's going through this. This is this is the way it works. And it's about adjusting expectations and knowing the journey. And I got my fingers crossed that it's, yep. it's going to work for you. But right. But this, and I think is, too the other piece of it. The other piece of it, too, that I see from a lot of people, but, but I want people to understand is that, you know, oftentimes I hear folks say, well, I don't want to take more than one medicine or I don't want to take too many medicines, which I completely appreciate. And, and I don't want folks to be on more medicine or too many medicines than they need to be. But one of the things that's really important, I think, for those of us, well, for anybody, not just those of us with ADHD to understand is sometimes it takes, sometimes those two medicines, the, the sums are greater the, the, the result is greater yep. than the sum of the parts, right? So two medicines together help balance out the side effects of each other for me, and they help each other be more effective for me. So I'm actually able to do better on lower doses that I can tolerate better. 
So even though I'm taking two medicines, that's what I need to get the effect that I yep. need, right? So that's that's something else that I just kind of want people to hear. And and you know the other piece of this, like you said, we're not we're not pro medicine, we're not anti medicine, we're not. It's it's knowing what the options are for you. And like for yep. example, because medicine has always been challenging for me, a lot of what I have to do is other things. Exercise. Mm-hmm. I finally realized that's that's how I got through high school was I was a competitive swimmer, and I now understand after reading Dr. Rady's book Spark, um, which is amazing, like just how much that was important for me for treating my ADHD, and now I'm trying to get back into that. Coaching has been amazing for me too. So there's there's all these other pieces of the puzzle that you just have to figure out what works Absolutely. for you or your kid or your loved one or whoever it is. Um, but, but the medicine is definitely, I think, one of the, the trickiest pieces of the puzzle for sure. Absolutely. So just real quickly for those who are listening, if you want to learn more, if you Google Attention Talk Radio, John Rady, you can pull up the interview that I did with him on uh, the ADD chapter of his book, Spark. Um, also, for those out there, there's a lot of people with ADHD that, that uh, exercise is one where they, they do it to a level and they can manage without their, their meds. Uh, I believe Michael Phelps stopped taking meds when he went to double workouts back when he was 13. So going back to Carolyn's thing is, yeah, you can do some other things that, that can really, really be helpful. So um, what, the last thing that I want, really want to say is I say this all the time is I'm not pro meds. I'm not, but I am anti-suffering. And at the, one thing I like to say is medications are really about quality of life. If you're on them yes. <laughs> and the quality yes. of life is better than not, it's something to consider. And people will always talk about the long-term effects of stimulants. And I'm not going to deny that they're there, but there's also long-term effects of not taking them. Preach. You take a look at the incidence of divorce yes. and car accidents and disabilities and failed divorces. And the other thing is self-esteem. To grow up and say, stop, sit down, shut up, quit doing that. You knew that, listen to that for 10 years in a row, and after a while, you, you don't think as much as yourself. And that has a long-term impact. I get a lot of adults that are calling me that their self-esteem is shot. And sometimes I wonder right. back in those days if that would have changed. Again, I'm not pro. I am pro-education here for people to consider it. And so Carolyn is a great example of somebody who was – I'm not really wild about it, but I tried it, and it didn't really work out that great so far, but she's still on that journey, which is why you're such an inspiration, and this is such a great show. So – Oh, thank as you so much. As we pull this together, any last thoughts or comments? I think that the main thing that I would love people to kind of walk away with is just is the the idea that the concept that no matter what the right treatment option is for you or your kids or your loved one or whoever it is that's in your life that has ADHD, it is not failure to take medication. It is not failure to seek help. It is not failure to ask for help. It is not failure to advocate for yourself or your child or your loved one or your client or your patient or your student or whoever it is. I don't care what other messages you get. There will always be people who have an opinion one way or the other. It's not them and it's not their life. And asking for what you need is never failure. I'm going to say the exact same that she did, but I'm going to reframe it. If you understand who you are and do it your way, like I have to take thyroid medication because it's not, it's not failure. I got a thyroid point. I live a better life. 
I take high blood pressure medication. It's not a failure. It's just I have a condition. I live a better life. I'm, it's not a failure that I can't write. When I got into this business, everybody says, you got to write a book or do a blog. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like the, that's, I'd love to go to the dentist and have my teeth pulled without Novocaine. So I started Attention Talk Radio. Is that a failure? I got to tell you, I did it as a way to get myself known. I can't tell you the education that I've gotten for over 11 years interviewing thought experts with like Caroline. It's not a failure. It's actually kind of a success. So at the end of the day, sometimes you have to forgive neurotypicals for their ignorance. Again, forgive them for their ignorance because yes. they're somewhat <laughs> closed-minded and they can't think out of the box. And so, again, it's the same thing that Carol said. It's just spun a little bit differently. And sometimes don't let – this is one of the other things that I say all the time. It's convenient for society if you do it their way because then they don't have to do the work. I'll say that again. It's convenient for society if you do it their way because they get out of work. They bully you. And if you think about that, sometimes it, it really makes a lot of sense. Sometimes you just have to advocate for yourself. So anyway, with that, Dr. Parcells, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Spectacular. I love it. Everybody, check out our website, gtw-health.com. Again, gtw-health.com. Our secret word tonight is journey. And with that, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.